0: Not just a sports report.
1: Welcome to Not Just A Sports Report. Today I'm going to be jumping into... Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I'll tell my phone uh, Okay, right. take two. Go for it. Hello and welcome to Not Just A Sports Report. Today I'm going to be jumping into part two of my UFC 272 predictions. Now I've already gone through the prelims, so that podcast's already up if you want to check that one out. Today I'm going to be jumping into the main card. We've got five fights... To get through, the main event, of course, between Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington, friends who now hate each other. The press conference was fucking ridiculous. It was literally like two children arguing. And to be honest, Jorge Masvidal, all he was talking about was like money and pay-per-view numbers. And I get that not every fighter is about that kind of press conference all the noise. But I thought Colby Covington contributed a hell of a lot more to the press conference, but, it, yeah, it was ridiculous from two grand men. It was ridiculous in an enjoyable way, but not the not the best press conference I've seen, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, jumping into the card, we've, of course, got Masvidal Covington in the main event, and Rafael Dos Santos in the co-main event was scheduled to face Rafael Fazeev, which was supposed to happen on the most recent fight night. That has once again been called off. RDA has been seeking a new opponent, Markashev was floated at one stage, but he actually turned the fight down despite on social media acting as though he wanted that fight. And it looks like he's going to fight Dariush next. So Rafael Dos Santos is going to be taking on Renato or Renato Moicano, who is coming fresh off his win over Alexander Hernandez on one of the recent pay-per-views. So that should be a great co-main event. And if you enjoy the podcast today, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports report. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and you will be able to see whenever new podcasts drop. So today I'm going to jump in from the first fight on the card and tomorrow myself and JJ will be going through all our bets and going through the whole card and, yeah, watching everything play out, write our bets, and we'll be releasing another comment – another, sorry, podcast on the Sunday Australian time, like shortly after the pay-per-view, semi-shortly after the pay-per-view – with all our thoughts and comments and bets from the day. So let's start with the opening fight. That makes the most sense in this prediction. So the first of our five on the UFC 272 main card, we've got a heavyweight fight, which is always promises to be fun. They aren't always fun. See Jairzino Rosenstreich versus Cyril Garn. Uh, but this one, this one should be some fun. We've got Greg Hardy up against Sergei Spivak. Now, both guys are coming off a loss, but this is an interesting platform. Greg Hardy continues to get appearances on pay-per-views when some other fighters have to slug it out in the apex. Uh, I guess it's because he's a former NFL player. But in my opinion, and this is just my opinion from not meeting him and just totally my perception on from the media things I've seen from him, specifically, though, he's a fucking douchebag. Uh, And, yeah, he's being a wanker. Now, he's coming off the loss to Taito Avasa, and he's not handling it like a man. He's just making excuses. So. (laughs) 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 And, yeah, I think that Greg Hardy, yeah, he's just a douchebag. I don't care if he's a former NFL player. He got knocked the fuck out by Taito Avasa in his last fight, and everything I've seen from him since has just been, uh, like, shit. And did I mention that he assaulted a woman, his girlfriend. So, yeah, if you're going to be like, he's not a douchebag, so, yeah, I, I don't know if anyone's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, argue about argue about that. So, sorry, Greg Hardy, but, yeah, I was prepared to, like, I know people make fucked up mistakes, and I was like, man, that's pretty bad that he beat up his girlfriend. But I was like, I don't know, has he changed? But everything I've seen from after Tuavasa fight, I'm like, go ahead. I don't think this guy seems like he's changed. He seems just like a piece of shit. Unfortunately, I'm just calling it as I see it. I'll be like, I've been sick this weekend. (laughs) Now, for Sergei Spivak, no assaults on women on record, so immediately a better bloke than Greg Hardy, but he was defeated on short notice in a short notice stand-up last time against Tom Aspinall, who's one of the best prospects in the UFC. So both fighters are coming off very average performances, for Greg Hardy, he's on a two-fight losing skid, continuing to get pay-per-view appearances. So, yeah, I really don't know how this one's going to go. I actually think it's going to go one way, but I'm going to go the other way. Excuse me. UFC just made a post, apparently. Um, breaking news. Shane Warren, rest in peace as well. Uh, yeah, that was, that was not what UFC said. That was not what UFC said. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Hardy. Shane. Yeah, R.I.P. Shane. One, what a shock! What a shock. Side note. Anyway, Sergey Spivak. Uh, yeah, he's coming off a loss to Tom Aspinall. So, as far as the profiles go, Greg Hardy is thirty three years old, nicknamed the Prince of War. Maybe the better nickname would be like the Prince of Excuses, or the Prince of Getting Knocked Out. Uh, and saying that, like it's like, oh, he'd knock you out. Yeah, I'm sure he would. He's a fucking former NFL player, and he's like a UFC fighter. He probably would knock me out. He assaulted a woman, so yeah. Anytime you wanna throw that shade, just remember that. I got a bit of leeway here, okay? It's like yeah, he'd knock you out. Fuck, that's not much better than like fucking hitting a woman, you know. The difference is like obviously much, much worse to hit a woman. So I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. But it's like, you know. It's not it's not it's not something on his resume, you know. That's not gonna add to your professional record knocking me out, so Moving on, uh, Greg Hardy is formerly of the American Top Team. He left in 2020. They were probably like, man, you're a douchebag. Sorry, I'm talking a lot of Greg Hardy shit. I've not met him, obviously, but I just haven't liked what I've been seeing or hearing from him, so yeah. Now, he was actually trained by Dean Thomas and Rashad Evans, so there you go. As for Sergei Spivak, he is 27 years old, nicknamed the Polar Bear. He is from Moldova, so... There are quite a few fighters from Mold, but uh, Moldova, Moldova, whatever it's called, oh, yeah. no, Moldova. Uh, but yeah, Spivak as well. He has not played in the NFL, and his gym is the Mir Production Gym. Now, as far as professional records, Spivak is thirteen and three, so a pretty healthy record. Whereas Greg Hardy is seven and four with one no contest. Now. Having a quick look at how many of those fights have been inside of the UFC. Uh, we've got Spivak, who's fought in the UFC for a while now. He has been there since 2019. But he, of course, got knocked out in the first minute of his debut in the UFC after going 9-0 and outside of the UFC. Obviously impressed a lot. And then he lost in his debut. He actually beat Taito Iwasa by submission in the UFC. And his losses have been to Marcin Tybura and Tom Aspinall and, of course, Walt Harris in his debut. And Spivak's UFC wins have included wins over Tuavasa, Carlos Felipe, Jared Vandera and Alexi Olenek. As for Greg Hardy, he had a decent career. He actually made his professional debut on Dana White's Contender Series. And he won... And then he was appeared again, I think he appeared. He had two first round knockouts. That's what it tells me on Wikipedia right here. So I actually didn't know that. Then he had one fight outside of the UFC. And then he in, it's entered the UFC straight away. So Greg Hardy's pretty much mm. just been fighting in the UFC since he started. He's had losses to Alexander Volkov, but by decision, he's had a loss to Marcin Taibura and Taito Avasa who absolutely fucking owned him. As for Greg Hardy's wins inside the UFC, he's beaten Dmitry Smolyakov, Never heard of him. No, no disrespect to Dmitry. Juan Adams also never heard of him. Sorry, it's not that I'm a casual. Like I was, I had a bit of a break. <laughs> That's okay. That was that was JJ. That was, that was that was. We'll leave this one in. That was we've got we've got a delivery basically on the way. So I've got my phone on loud. He's got his phone on loud. And, yeah, please excuse it. I do continue. But, yeah, basically, Greg Hardy hasn't beat anyone that I'm like, oh, true. There we go. We've got another fucking thing. Now it's Optus Sport. Why do I – I should have notifications off for that. Fuck off Optus Sport. There we go. Here's a shout-out for a brand. (laughs) Fuck Optus. Fuck all phone brands. They charge way too much. So, yeah, fuck phone brands. How's that for a reverse ad? Because, yeah, Yeah. one day if I get paid ads – I may slip some things in there for good shit. But here's a little unpaid ad. Fuck phone companies. They're overcharging you. Your, your local phone company is overcharging you. Let's get back to the UFC, though. This doesn't, yeah, we don't want too many minutes of that kind of shit. And back to the fight, Sergei Spivak and Greg Hardy. Having a look at their methods of losses, Spivak has been knocked out twice and lost by decision once. And so has Hardy. He's also lost by knockout twice and by decision once. And he's also had a disqualification loss. As for their wins, Greg Hardy has had six of seven wins by knockout. I think he could definitely be in for a round one knockout win here. That's kind of what I'd be leaning toward on the bet if I liked him or it didn't really dislike him. And Greg Hardy's had one decision win. So six of seven wins by knockout for Greg Hardy. As for Spivak, he has had 11 stoppages from 13 wins. So Both stats are pretty impressive, like Hardy has fought the majority of his career around UFC competition. Not really notable names, but still six of seven wins by knockout. But Spivak is a little bit more impressive. 11 stoppages from 13 wins with five knockouts and six submissions. So he has that versatility to his game, which I don't think Greg Hardy really has. And Spivak has also won twice by decision, so now what I'm going to do, I've got JJ here with me. Tomorrow we'll, of course, be going through our thoughts and comments, bets and things like that. So he's going to be making some bets and predictions. And today we're going to have JJ with us for a rapid prediction on each fight. And he's just going to say who he will be backing. Uh, and as to who I am backing, my official prediction for the UFC 272 main card opener, I'm taking Sergei Spivak to win by knockout. Not with much confidence at all as well. I actually think Greg Hardy's going to win by knockout, but I just don't like Greg Hardy, and I don't want to back him here. And even if it costs me money, my prediction on this heavyweight fight, I'm taking Sergey Spivak by knockout over Greg Hardy.
0: Yeah, I jump in with the rapper pick. Um, yeah, I like your analysis there. And we watched a little bit of tape just before, and just on the eye, I, I kind of like Greg Hardy. I don't like what he, what's going on behind the scenes. Doesn't seem like the best bloke, as you said, but. I'm literally going to take your pick. I think I'll probably go for Greg Hardy by knockout. Don't know if I will go for round one, but I imagine after what happened last time with Tuvasa, he'll want to make a bit of an impact. So seems pretty solid for round one, so I'll definitely consider that.
1: Now it is time to jump on to our next fight on the main card. This should surely be an exciting fight of the night contender. I'm sure we are going to see... Some really great perform- performances from both of these guys. They both love putting on a show. So we're going to have a welterweight showdown at UFC 272 between Kevin Big Mouth Holland and Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Now Big Mouth is going to be dropping down to 170. So Holland making the move from middleweight down to welterweight. He's going to be looking to really make an impact and use his size and power to get himself some momentum back after a huge 2020, but a very disappointing year last year. So he hopes that the like weight class change can really have a positive impact on the trajectory of his career. And pretty simply, Big Mouth just said a lot of the middleweights have blocked him because he obviously is one of the hectic memers of the UFC, loves to post memes and talk shit online to his opponents. Uh, so a lot of them have blocked him now. So he said he's going to come down to welterweight, talk some shit down here. And, of course, we saw someone talk some shit to him. Plenty of people do. We saw a troll recently who had been in his DMs saying that he could submit him. And, um, yeah, Kevin Holland invited him in, took a video, fucking beat the shit out of this troll and was like, get out of here, loser. So good on Kevin Holland. I really enjoyed that. And, yeah, he's coming off a good submission. Now, Alex Oliveira is waiting to welcome him to the division and he's going to be looking to hand Kevin Holland another loss And yeah, really hamper his momentum whilst giving Oliveira a great chance now to look forward to another exciting matchup. And a win here should see Oliveira stay on pay-per-view. He's obviously been fighting pay-per-view fights recently because he loves to put on a show. Now, Kevin Holland, of course, had his momentous 2020, one of the best years we've seen from a fighter in a long time outside of like title pictures, but a very lacklustre 2021 had losses to Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori, albeit very good fighters. And then he had the no contest in November against Kyle Dorcas, where he got knocked out with the head clash and then submitted. But of course that one was ruled a no contest. So Holland wants to get his name back in the spotlight. This is going to be a great opportunity to do so against a very exciting fighter in Alex Oliveira in a new weight division too. So well to wait. Look out, Kevin Holland is going to be massive pest, a lot of memes coming your way, to weight fighters, but also a much more stacked division than middleweight, in my opinion. So he's entering dangerous territory, but if he has a size advantage over a lot of these guys, then I think that'll help him because he has been out-wrestled and out-muscled in the middleweights, and I think he'll stand a better chance. It just depends on the weight cut, of course, so... Kevin Holland didn't get a win last year after getting... so I think he had, like, five, five or six in 2020. So he's going to be looking to get back to his winning ways. Now, one major weakness of his is his grappling. Uh, now, he's good at it. Like, he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, I believe. But Derek Brunson exploited him in that area. So did Marvin Vittori. And so did Brendan Allen, who submitted him when those two fought. And so... I really think Kevin Holland needs to work on that. I'm sure he has been. I think he already had leading up to the Kyle Dorcas fight, and then that just resulted in a no contest. So we haven't had a chance for a while now to see what adjustments Kevin Holland has actually been making in this decent stretch of time to fix up his like grappling. And I do think he's a submission. He can get the submission. Like originally, I was thinking of going Holland by submission, but I just I don't have enough confidence in it to go Holland by submission. So I'm sure that Holland's worked on his floor, but Oliver has the ability to exploit Holland's weaknesses in the grappling exchanges. One plus as well is that both guys love to put on entertaining fights for the fans. These aren't guys who are looking to go the full 15 minute distance. These are guys who have the, that kind of fan and fun, exciting fight style that they know that people that there's that value. You don't just want to win the fight, like there's more to it. A bit of personality uh inside and outside of the cage. Both of these guys bring that. Alex Oliveira is a very underrated character. Brings a lot of energy, has amazing fights every time he steps into the octagon. And that's what I love about Oliveira. It doesn't matter who you pair him up uh pair him up with. He he just he gets it done. He always puts on a great show. Kevin Holland, very much of that same mindset, so it's going to be a great clash this weekend, a definite fight of the night contender. Jumping into the profiles now, first off we've got Kevin Big Mouth Holland, the 29-year-old will be fighting out of Fort Worth, Texas, representing Phalanx MMA, or however the fuck you say that. Uh, Yeah, Phalanx, I'm not even going to say Phalanx, 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 Phalanx. Yeah. That is his gym. And yeah, I knew that was going to I was going to run into some trouble with that one. But then you have to ask yourself, how how really important like the gyms are relevant. But yeah, it's an MMA academy and it gave me trouble. So, that that's the gym. I thought you guys should know, so I tried to say it. So thanks. Moving on. Major size advantage for Holland as well. That's another point. Ring ring. It's going to be a lot bigger than Oliveira. Oliveira is probably closer to lightweight than middleweight, whereas Holland is close, much closer to middleweight. He's coming down from middleweight, so he's going to have the power advantage. There are uh, questions about the weight cut and how that affects. There's going to be a major size advantage for Kevin Holland. He is coming down from middleweight, so naturally I guess a middleweight coming down to welterweight, whereas Oliveira is closer to the lightweight division than he is the middleweight division, so he's going to be giving up a lot of size, potentially a lot of power as well. But the big question is how the weight cut affects Kevin Holland. We've seen plenty of cases where fighters either go up a division or they make the weight cut. Like We do see fighters successfully cut weight, move down and they have more power or it's more advantageous to them at that point in their career. So that could definitely be the case for Kevin Holland, but is he going to lose any of his power and how is it going to impact and affect Kevin's conditioning and cardio throughout the fight? Is he going to get tired and burnt out quicker because he's been cutting all this weight and he'll have less energy to burn through the fight? So there are a lot of questions in terms of the weight cut, but he's still going to have a massive size advantage which which is definitely notable and some of the things he'll lose through the weight cut I think he'll still be able to make up for with that size advantage especially in the reach as for Alex Cowboy Oliveira he's 34 years old from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil and his gym it said ATS I don't know what that stands for so poor front on the gyms for me in this one but those are the guys gyms you guys work you guys can work that one out now overall records compared to their ufc records their records inside the ufc Oliveira's record in the promotion is 11 and 9 with one no contest as well so a very mixed bag he's kind of had winning runs and losing runs that's been the makeup it hasn't been like an unflattering run there have been moments where he's had like three wins in a row and he looks really good and then he's had times where he's like lost three in a row so 11 9 and one no contest it doesn't truly reflect Alex Oliveira's value to the welterweight division but not the most enviable record either but that's just his UFC record his overall record is 22 wins 11 losses one draw and two no contests so a few things on the resume there as for Kevin Holland, his UFC record is 9 wins, 4 losses, and 1 no contest, which was in his most recent outing against Kyle Dorcas. And for Kevin, he had a high level of competition on his road to the UFC, including stints with both Alife and Bellator. Holland's overall record stands at 21 wins, 7 losses, and 1 no contest. As far as the methods of wins... This is really interesting. They both have the exact same methods of wins except for one area where Oliveira has one more win than Holland in his career and he has one more decision win than Holland. But other than that, they have the exact same winning record. So Kevin Holland, 12 of 21 wins by knockout and Holland has 17 stoppages in 21 wins. If you think that's an impressive stat, Exact same for Oliveira. 12 wins by knockout from 22 wins and 17 stoppages. So very, very similar paths from two very different fighters and they have been in different divisions. That is one thing I guess it is worth noting, but still interesting that the records match up like that and that is what makes it such a great stylistic matchup. So... Holland with 12 knockout wins, five submission wins, and four decision wins. And Oliveira has 12 knockouts, five submissions, same as Holland. And he has one more decision win with five decisions. So very similar there. And in terms of the losses, Kevin Holland has five of his seven losses by decision. He's usually getting out wrestled, out grappled. And yeah, he's just losing kind of the fo- those little moments in the fight on the judges scorecards. But he is... Hard to finish, and that should continue with the drop-down in weight. I think it's going to be even harder for these welterweight guys to put him away. So five of seven losses by decision for Holland, and he's also been submitted twice. As for Alex Oliveira, he has 11 losses, so he's lost a few times, but he's also, you know, he's won. He's put on great fights every time too. That's That's what's worth noting. But 11 losses for Cowboy. He has been submitted six times, so that's his weakness. His kryptonite, if you will. I'll pause there. And so, yeah, Oliveira definitely can be exploited in terms of the submissions, and Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland can do that. I was thinking like a value bet is Kevin Holland by submission, um, and maybe if the bet's going well. But some of the tape I was watching from him, I just I couldn't I couldn't go down that path, and I was very close to going Kevin Holland by decision. But, yeah, and that, that, the reason I was going to go Holland by decision is because Alex Oliveira, in terms of his 11 losses, submitted six times, four decision losses. But in 36 fights, Oliveira's only been knocked out once. So very interesting stat. Uh, that led me to thinking this is going to go to decision. It's very likely that's going to be the case. But that's not the way I'm going. I think Kevin Holland can get the knockout. And as far as my official prediction, I'm going to take Kevin Holland, not with a lot of confidence, and I'm taking him by knockout slash TKO. I think even if this goes to the ground, it could be a situation of, like, ground and pound or staying active in those grappling exchanges that can get him the knockout. But that's what we do, as my housemate has a shower in the background. But that's you guys don't mind, I don't care. So we continue with that official prediction. I'm picking Kevin Holland to be the only second person to knock Oliveira out. So this one is a bit of a risk and do proceed with caution in terms of which way you bet. Either man to win by decision probably seems like the best bet, but I think this move could be really good for Kevin Holland. So I'm predicting that he's going to come down and have a great showing and chase the finish and get a great knockout to wrestle back that momentum, maybe quite literally, Uh, that he picked up for himself in 2020 and made himself a name that everyone was tuning in and paying money when there was opportunity. I know he's been on fight nights, which are like free, but people will pay money for Kevin Holland. So there's a lot of potential there and I'm hoping he can fulfill that this weekend. Kevin Holland over Alex Oliveira by knockout for mine, not with a lot of confidence, which leads me to JJ's rapid prediction for this one, handing it over to JJ. That was not JJ in the shower, if you can hear the water.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it looks like the rains are coming in, so I'll just make it quick. Um, Lots of interesting points you made. I was leaning towards Oliveira, and I was at first thinking knockout, but a lot of the points you made does kind of lean it towards decisions, so I'll probably just bet on the head-to-head for Oliveira to win. Don't know how it's going to play out. Should be a good one, though.
1: Leading into the two main events now, but first up, we have some featherweight action. This is a really intriguing fight. I've been on the fence all week. I was going to go one way. I was going to go for the big underdog victory, the victory that I want to see this weekend. But now, after watching some more tape, I'm really, really not sure which way I'm going. It's going to be Edson Barboza up against Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell The number 10-ranked Barboza up against the number 11-ranked Mitchell. So a spot in the top 10 up for grabs. A lot at stake in this featherweight division, which both men are hoping to be contenders. Now Bryce Mitchell has been on an absolute tear inside the UFC whilst Edson Barboza has had some great moments, but he's also had some downfalls most recently up against Giga Chikadze where he was knocked out. Whereas Bryce Mitchell has been steaming toward title contention. He's had some great wins. His win over Charles Rosa was one that I really enjoyed. Now, Barbosa, he is hoping to stay relevant. And after that knockout loss against Giga Chikadze, he does not want to drop another fight. Barbosa is 36 years old from Rio de Janeiro. And he is representing American top team. So he's got a great gym behind him. And they're working with Jorge against Covington in the main event. Uh, And Colby, very much a strong wrestler and grappler endurance game, which is what Bryce Mitchell brings as well, whereas Masvidal is a very strong striker, just like Edson Barbosa. So they're going to be working on similar tactics, and I'm sure there's going to be so much attention put into Masvidal and what he's trying to do, and I think that could have a really good effect on Barbosa as well, working with American Top Team. As for thug nasty Bryce Mitchell, the twenty-seven-year-old will be representing Westside MMA. As for the professional records, Bryce has a record of fourteen and one. He lost in a fight on The Ultimate Fighter by submission to Brad Katona back in twenty eighteen, I believe. Now Bryce Mitchell, sixty-four percent of his wins have been by submission. He's a very crafty submission artist. He's always going for really painful-looking submission attempts that look like they could break bones. So nine submissions from 14 wins for Bryce Mitchell, and he also has five decisions. So he's yet to get a knockout in his career as far as wins go or losses go, Uh, but Barboza, that is very much a different case. He has 13 knockout wins but only one submission win compared to Bryce Mitchell's nine. And Barbosa also has eight decision victories. So 13 knockouts up against nine submissions for Bryce Mitchell. And as far as Barbosa's losses go, he's been submitted twice, so that's definitely an option. He's lost by decision four times, and he's lost by knockout four times. So the former lightweight now at featherweight, and this is a really big fight for both men. I have questions over Barbosa's stamina over 15 minutes. I know that he can get it done, but with the weight cut to make 145 pounds, I don't know. We could see some issues against Bryce Mitchell, but he also, uh, he could really implement his power, which is something I find interesting that Barbosa could definitely outstrike Bryce Mitchell, but I'm really intrigued. I think this is going to be a very close contest and personally, the way that I'm actually, like, as a fan, I'm a bigger fan of Barbosa, so I'll be cheering for him. And he does have a massive reach advantage, so that should really help him in terms of the striking. And he's got some nasty kicks as well as some solid punches, so I think this is going to be a really interesting fight because Bryce Mitchell is a, an animal, so it's going to be very enter- uh, entertaining, sorry. And Bryce Mitchell tomorrow, he is going to be entering the octagon with serious intent to hurt Barboza. So it's sure to be a really brutal fight. And stylistically, it's the ultimate battle of knockout artists up against submission artists. So I'm really on the fence. So what I'm going to do before I make my official prediction, just while I think exactly which way I'm going to go, I'm going to hand it over to JJ for his... Rapid prediction Edson Barboza up against Bryce Mitchell in the featherweight division.
0: Yeah, we watched a bit of tape just then, and uh, I, I did like what I saw from Mitchell. I actually said that, but then we watched Barboza versus uh, Namagomedov, and although he got absolutely wrecked, I did like what he came with. Like it was actually kind of a good showing, so that kind of leans me towards him. Don't know how. Maybe if knock knockout, maybe he survives,
1: but we'll see. I'm going Barbosa. All right. I, uh, all week, uh, Edson Barbosa by knockout was the way that I was looking to go. And I've, I've been thinking it's really tough. I'm still so, so unsure as to way, which way I'm going to go, but I ultimately am going to take Bryce Mitchell by decision. So I'm changing the way I'm going. I also think there's a big chance Bryce Mitchell may get a really big submission win here, but Edson, because I I want him to win and I was so – I I still am so unsure about my prediction. I want to see that knockout. I wanted to back it in, but after the tape study – I, I think I'm going to go Mitchell in a close one by decision. So, JJ's rapid prediction, he's gone Barbosa by knockout, was it? Or decision? Uh, yeah.
0: I'm not sure.
1: Ah, uh, you I'm, just I'm went Edson out. Barbosa? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you
0: get a knockout
1: or could survive, that's what I said. Well, yeah. I'll, um, uh, I'm thinking like Edson Barbosa, but I'm going to go Bryce Mitchell on this one by decision very interesting. This will be a strange one for me to watch. I'll be cheering Barboza on, but uh, yeah, I just, when it came down to it, there was something inside me that was telling me to switch. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to take Bryce Mitchell by decision. I actually hope Barboza wins, but yeah, myself and JJ once again going in separate directions. So close to picking the same uh, person, but yeah, I'm going to be taking Bryce Mitchell by decision. I feel strange even saying that, but yeah, I've, I just, yeah, that's the way I'm going to go. I can't really go much further on that. So, with that being said, why not move now into our co main event of the evening? So, very, very close to this heated beef between Masvidal and Colby being settled, but first it is time to jump into. A fight that's been put together on late notice. We were supposed to see a battle of the Rafaels, but now it is time to jump in to Rafael Dos Andros up against Hanato Moicano, who's taken the fight on short notice, coming off his win very recently up against Alexander Hernandez. So this should be a really fun one, and I'm going to jump into it right now. Jumping into this lightweight division contest now and it's one of the most stacked and highly respected divisions in the sport's rich history. It's Leonardo, or Renato Moicano, sorry, again, uh, up against Rafael Dos Andres. Now, Moicano is only a couple of weeks removed from his submission win over Alexander Hernandez, but it's a different story for Dos Andres, who last competed in November 2020. That was a decision win over Paul Felder, and we didn't see RDA compete at all throughout 2021. In terms of the size advantages, there will be a height and reach advantage in favor of Dos Andros. He has fought at welterweight before, so he definitely has a bit of size on the former featherweight in Moicano. As far as their profiles, Dos Andros is getting a little bit older now, but hasn't lost any of his touch, still looking Very quality at 37 years old. Of course, representing Brazil, same as his opponent Moicano tonight, two Brazilians going at it. And Dos Anjos is going to be representing Evolve MMA. He also fights in the Southpaw stance, so I think that'll make him an interesting matchup for Moicano. And he's a bit of a difficult puzzle to solve, Rafael Dos Anjos, with a professional record standing at 30 wins and 13 losses. As for his accomplishments, he is a former UFC lightweight champion, a three-time UFC Fight of the Night winner, one-time submission of the Night winner, and a four-time performance of the Night winner. He is also a jiu-jitsu master, and Rafael de Sandros is one of the top contenders at 155 pounds. As for Hernando Moicano, he takes his fight on short notice, replacing Rafael Fazeev. Moicano is 32 years old, representing brazil as well and he is from the american top team gym so they've got a few guys on the card here they'll be looking to get them all across the line and their work with moicano seems to be paying dividends his move to the lightweight division has been a quality one for his career and the american top team star has a professional record standing at 16 wins four losses and one draw as for Hernado's accomplishments he is a former Jungle Fight featherweight champion. He is a one-time UFC Fight of the Night winner and a one-time UFC Performance of the Night winner. Now, for the rankings, I would say, like, pretty much is just outside the top 15, and he's very much, if he... He's not even in the conversation. If he wins here, he will enter the top 15, I believe, with a win over the number six-ranked Rafael dos Andros. You cannot... No, it's like if Bobby Green had a beaten Markashev, like jump into the rankings. And definitely Moicano is closer than Bobby Green, I think, to being in the top 15. That's just my opinion. Maybe that's not the case because Bobby Green has had some great showings as of late. But Rafael Dos sits at number six in the rankings. He was supposed to take on the number 11 ranked Rafael Fazeev. But now this is a huge opportunity for Moicano so up against the number six ranked lightweight, this is a huge chance for Moicano to now enter the rankings. He'll have a decent chance to do so as well. One worrying stat that I wrote down about Rafael Dos Anjos, he has lost in four of his last six fights, all against very high-level opponents, maybe even I could say higher level than Moicano, all of them, but Moicano is really, really good, and he could add to that telly and make that five losses in Raphael's last seven fights that's a really worrying stat especially given the legendary fighter's age so Dos Andros will definitely be looking for the win he's right outside the division's top five and he's absolutely not done yet in his push to regain that lightweight championship as for Moikata, he's in much better form three wins from his last four fights and that's been since moving up to 155 pounds. So since moving to 155, three wins for from four fights for Moikano, with Hinato's only loss during this period being to Rafael Fazeev, who was supposed to take part in this match. That was a round one knockout loss. Now, taking a look at kind of the methods of wins and losses, and I'm going to start with the losses of both men. And Rafael Dos Santos has 10 of his 13 losses by decision. So that absolutely seems to be the way to beat him, either over 15 minutes or 25 minutes. This time it'll be 15 minutes. And Moicano, it could definitely be capable of doing that. So 10 of 13 losses by decision for Rafael Dos Santos Now, Dos Santos has decision losses to the likes of Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Michael Kiesa, Leon Edwards, Tony Ferguson, and Khabib Namagomedov. So those are six of the ten names. So it does show you, like, his losses have been against top-tier opposition. That leaves Rafael with his loss record standing at 13 losses, 10 of those being decision. He's also been knocked out twice and submitted once in over 40 fights. So incredible, like 43 fights. This will be his 44th, so a lot of experience to draw on. As for Moicano's losses, three out of the four losses in his career have been by knockout. So his durability could be an issue. I definitely think Dos Andres could knock him out or like TKO ground and pound. And Moicano has also lost once by submission. So all of his losses have been stoppages, which is a bit of a concern. It leads me to believe if Dos has kind of the control in this fight that maybe he'll be able to put him away. So it should be a really intriguing fight. Um, I like it as a short notice fight. I really like giving the opportunity to Moicano and it should be a very interesting battle. Now I'll have a bit more of a positive note. I'll take a look at both men's wins. Moicano has nine submissions from 16 wins. So he is very much a submission artist with his record holding nine submission wins and seven decisions. So no knockouts for Moicano. Plenty of decision wins, seven decision wins, so we do know that Dos Andres has 10 of 13 losses by decision, and Moicano certainly knows how to get it done on those terms. So very interesting matchup, this one, but no knockouts on the record as far as wins go for Moicano, but three of four losses by knockout, so that is one area that is probably a cause for concern as far as Renato Moicano goes. As for Rafael Dos santos 50% of his wins have come by decision. So I guess that says maybe there's going to be a decision result here. And Dos santos 50% of his wins by decision, but he's been in a lot of fights. So from 30 wins, he has 15 decisions, 10 submissions. So still very capable of the submissions and five knockouts. So that's basically the preview for this fight and it's time to jump into the predictions for this lightweight co-main event, starting with JJ and his rapid prediction. What's your, uh, Teddy, unsure, but myself,
0: I'm pretty sure. Um, I know we watched Moikano a few weeks back, but I don't remember it, so I'm just going to keep it simple and go with the, the dos and jos because it seems like he's got a good record. And I believe I've seen him before, um, uh, and from the... F- did we watch footage on Dos Anjos? I think we did. Uh, no, no, yeah, we watched some tape. Oh, no, we
1: didn't.
0: Did we? No, we didn't. Anyway, I think we saw a little bit of tape in the preview of the Colby Covington thing, and nothing is there to suggest to me that he won't get this done against a, a, an opponent on short notice. So we'll go with that. Uh, a long,
1: quick prediction. So, the long rapid prediction (laughs) from JJ. He is going to be taking Rafael Dos Andros up against Renato Moicano. And for what is, I think, the first time on this main card, I'm going to be predicting the same as JJ. I'm still not sure about that Edson Barboza fight. I really (laughs) want him to win, I really do. But yeah, I'm sticking with Bryce Mitchell by decision. And in this co main event lightweight fight, I'm going to be jumping on board the Rafael dos Andros train. I'm with JJ and I'm going to take dos Andros to get it done by submission. So Moicano only being submitted once in his career. It looks like if he loses, maybe knockout is the way, but I'm going to chase a submission in this one. I'm going to take a bit of a different strategy and I'm interested to see what Rafael dos Andros can do, especially because the guys above him, like Tony Ferguson, number seven, Connor McGregor, number eight, Dan or Dan Hooker, number eight, McGregor, number nine, wherever they are, Ferguson, Dan Hooker, and Connor McGregor are all just above Dos Andros. And McGregor is like fucking around. He might even just get the next title shot. So like whatever. McGregor's not even really relevant. And even if he is, then you can like, you know, fight him or fight him again and set up these like great matchups for like certain guys. But McGregor right now, not relevant in my mind, even if he fights for the title soon. Uh, Dan Hooker has moved to featherweight. And Tony Ferguson looks like he's coming closer to the end of his career. So for Dos Anjos, there's like a big gap between that top five and then the rest of the guys who are trying to claim those positions in the top ten. So this shapes as the perfect chance at 37 years old for Dos Anjos to make that push for another title shot and try to get himself back into that picture. A win here would do just that, especially an emphatic one. Knockout definitely an option, but I'm gonna be taking Dos Anjos by submission. So that's my official prediction. JJ's taking Rafael and I'm gonna be doing the same. Rafael by submission over Henato Moekano. So that leads us in to the main event now. It's time to jump into the UFC 272 main, former teammates, turned rivals, plenty of beef in this one. It is Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. All right, so we've got the two friends, now enemies, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. I know I've heard him be referred to now as well as George Masvidal, but... I'm just going to go with Jorge. So, yeah, we'll fucking, if he comes out and he's like, my name be George, then I'll be like, okay, mate, your name can be Jeff, whatever your fucking name is, man. Uh, At the moment, it's Jorge. So, Masvidal up against Covington. They were on each other's journey for so long. Now there is beef, the fracture between them that started at American Top Team. The history is crazy. Uh, I can't get into all the history today because that will keep, the podcast I'll touch on a few things that I found interesting, uh but yeah, very, very fascinating rivalry here for this main event. Colby, of course, being kicked out of American top team, or they both were, but the beef had started before that's what got them kicked out so there's genuine animosity here. This is going to be a really heated contest. Colby has gone away and established a new team, and Jorge an original staple of the American top team, returned. He wanted to come back. He pushed to come back. I don't even know if Dan Lambert would have taken him back without Masvidal really pushing for it. So that's an interesting narrative as well. It's not just these two guys, but there is an entire gym involved in American top team, one of the world's leading gyms. Excuse me, I had a cigarette before. There is the friends to foes narrative in this one. They are in the same division both at the top of their game, and then there is genuine disdain between the pair of them. The beef is very real, and it adds a lot to this exciting main event showdown. You can be sure that American Top Team will be putting all of their time and resources into ensuring that Jorge shuts Colby up once and for all. He's been coming out talking about Dan Lambert. He's been talking about Mike Brown. He's been talking a lot of trash about American Top Team. And they've been claiming that he didn't pay them. Fighters, of course, it'll be like they have to give 5% of their paycheck or things like that. And I'm pretty sure the um, percentage, I'm pretty sure American Top Team actually have a very good setup. So if that is true, that is pretty dodgy from Colby. And, yeah, there is very real beef here. American Top Team absolutely going to be trying to take Colby down. Jorge and Colby were once great mates as they rose through the ranks of the welterweight division, riding in the corner of their brother and enjoying the fruits of training alongside each other. The two were close for the majority of their careers, and their feud only began to surface recently, and that aspect really intrigues me because it's not like they were friends for just a little bit and then they didn't like each other. Like, they were friends for such a long time, and it's like, could it be an inside job where they're like, let's part ways to make some money? But it's like, nah, it's like it's... This one feels very real and that's, it really intrigues me. That is what, that's why this is the main event. It's one of those fights where you're like, I want to see this fight. I want to see how this goes down. Now, Colby Covington is a different man to the fighter that sparred with Masvidal back in the day. The brash, outspoken, loudmouth, police loving, loves the police scumbag Covington is totally different to the Jorge Masvidal is my best friend, wholesome Colby. Now the two men despise each other and it has come time to settle their differences in one of the classic good old-fashioned testosterone-filled ways just fucking punch on and grapple. Blokes do that as well. You've ever been to a party and see two fucking alpha blokes drink and start wrestling each other and none of the females are impressed? And that doesn't matter to them. That doesn't matter at all. So, yeah, uh, these two guys are going to be looking to really respond as I look to segue from that previous comment. Now, both men are also looking to rebound from their most recent outings, both of them losing for a second time to welterweight champion Kamaru Usman. He's beaten them by knockout once and decision once, both of them. Now Covington looked a lot better in the second time and that was the most recent fight out of all of them and he is still the number one ranked welterweight meaning that a trilogy fight might not be off the cards just yet even though Usman is up 2-0. Colby, he is still 100% a contender. A win here will continue to solidify him and he could be one or two. It depends. There are contenders emerging. Comes at Chimaev. Definitely Gilbert Burns could be in line for his second title shot. Uh, Vicente Luque, even Bilal Muhammad. There are a lot of potential matchups that could happen. So Colby is just, he's really in the mix. He's still number one in a stacked division. A win here, still it's like he is right in that conversation. As long as you're number one, you are always in the conversation, for a title shot, it just depends how many emerging contenders there are around you, especially at welterweight, where there is kind of a demand to see Usman face guys that he hasn't defended the belt against before. He has faced Leon Edwards, who looks to be his next opponent, but that one wasn't for the belt. Now, I hated Colby initially. He just—he's not what I'm about. He's like I'm not a super cop lover, police fan who's like yeah goes around getting them to, like, autograph my American flag. Like, that's just, like, not my style. I'm not a huge Donald Trump guy. I'm not, like, you know, I'm not here to talk politics. But, like, it just a lot of the things with Colby, I'm like, yeah, I just don't uh, relate. But it makes me laugh. Like, I love, I love it. Now, I hated Colby initially. That's the point I'm really making. I hated Colby initially. But now I love it. Like, I think it's funny. I do think it's funny. Most definitely, it adds an interesting element to his fights, and it's not essential to be a dickhead to sell your fights. But there is a place for the king of Miami and his outrageousness. Like take it back to Brazil, when he said, "Like you filthy animals suck." Like this place is a dump, uh, and yeah, like and everything he said since. Like it's he just has not stopped spouting shit since. All whilst and then yeah, it kinda lines up and then like all with being like, Yeah, the cops, I do this for the cops. I'm like, yeah, that's about fucking right. No, if you're a cop listening, actually I don't want to If you're a cop listening, I'm just not, you know, I'm not on the level. So yeah, we're not here to talk about cops today. But Colby that was a note. Colby fucking loves them. And if you're a cop that's listening I love you. Depending, depending on what you do. Depending on what you do. I don't know. I don't know how you do your job. It's a fucking ridiculous system. Sorry if you're listening and like your dad's a cop. I don't know. Let's we'll drop it. We'll drop it, shall we? Uh so yeah. Uh Coe has to back up his words by fighting his opponents. So that does hold him accountable in some way. There have been claims from both men that they're out to score the spectacular stoppage this weekend. I believe it more from Jorge Colby. At one stage, it's been said by him that Sean Shelby and Dana White had been talking about cutting him from the UFC, even though he was winning, because he wasn't an entertaining fighter. So, yeah, I think he'll want to stop Jorge and really make the statement, but also there's not heaps of evidence to suggest that it's going to happen. Total domination, though. Definitely potential for that up against Masvidal, but Jorge is definitely going to be more likely to be chasing the big finish. I do think Covington may be eyeing off a finish of some kind if he can assert total domination physically, but it it should be in this strange contest because if Covington's dominating the whole way early, does he, wrap, does he just go to decision or does he try to finish the job so i think masvidal could find himself in real trouble but all it takes from jorge is a couple of strikes and he can have colby in all sorts of trouble and so it's a really interesting matchup colby is the heavy favorite and yeah a lot of people not many people are backing masvidal in this i'll be interested to get jj's rapid pick now looking at the profiles jorge masvidal Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, as he's known, 37 years old, representing Miami, Florida, just like his opponent Colby Covington tonight, the king of Miami. And Jorge Masvidal represents American top team gym, one of the focal points of this contest. Jorge Masvidal, you may not know this, he has been in 50 fights. Colby Covington was not joking when he said Masvidal is a journeyman. Masvidal with 35 wins and 15 losses on his record. Masvidal has also been with the UFC since 2013, so nearly 10 years inside the promotion. He has really created a legacy and been up against high-level competition for a very long time now. Masvidal's accomplishments include the fastest knockout in UFC history at five seconds, an incredible fucking moment in the ufc one of the best knockouts of all time and yeah it was also one of the great knockouts he was involved in a loss with uh kamaru usman but now another accomplishment for mars that he can count as a very recently he's in the top five highest paid ufc fighters so a legitimate star a legitimate draw he is the current bmf champion the UFC baddest motherfucker champion, which the legitimacy, it's like I know he fought Nate Diaz for that belt. There is like a legitimacy in itself to that, but it's like what is the real purpose of this belt? Uh, I don't know if there's a legitimacy to it, I guess. I don't know. It's like a marketing tool. It's basically like, I don't know, an ad. I don't know what it is exactly, but he's the BMF champion. He's got it. He has that belt around his waist, even though he's coming off two losses. Now, the former AFC welterweight champion also has the 2019 Knockout of the Year in the UFC for that five-second knockout over Ben Askren. Masvidal is also a two-time UFC Fight of the Night winner and a four-time Performance of the Night winner. As for Colby Chaos Covington, he is 34 years old, representing Miami, Florida, and he is now at the MMA Masters Gym after formally being a teammate, very, very close friend of Jorge Masvidal at American Top Team. This rivalry goes deep. It is going to be just a very personal battle, which you don't always get a lot of the time. It's strictly business or competitive, which this one still will be. But there's definitely a personal element. You cannot deny there is a personal element involved. Now, Colby Covington has a host of amateur wrestling titles, an incredibly gifted grappler and wrestler. He also holds a Fila Nogi Grappling World Championship title, which he won in 2013. So he is a world-class grappler and he could cause Masvidal all sorts of issues this weekend. Colvington is also a former UFC interim welterweight champion, and he has won the UFC Fight of the Night once. So, yeah, no Performance of the Night bonuses and one Fight of the Night. So I guess when Dana White was like, it's kind of boring. Well, not boring, but we're going to cut you, yeah, because, like, I don't know, one Fight of the Night for a guy of his standard, it's like a... But he, he's winning. And I'm kind of, of the mind I don't mind the go people who just win if it's by decision, even if it's boring. It's like you are getting your wins. And it's like you just I am just of the mindset of like move them up slower than you move up the exciting ones. The exciting ones should be rewarded. Uh if it's like between a guy who's been boring and a win a guy who's been excited for a title shot or a big fight, then you just always lean towards the exciting ones but yeah if they keep winning which Colby has he's the number one ranked welterweight in the world and we look at the rankings now and his opponent Jorge Masvidal is number six so he's going to be looking to break back into the top five Bilal Muhammad in the fifth position so there's some competition there Masvidal was supposed to fight Leon Edwards at the end of last year that didn't happen this is a huge make or break for Jorge to either move toward the top five or move, you know. I don't know. Well, Stephen Thompson's behind him, Neil Magny, so I don't think they're going to jump Jorge per se. But comes at Chimaev is coming quickly. There are a lot of guys at Welterweight who are starting to emerge. Chaos Williams, the uh, Kazakhstani fella. Um, I can't remember exactly his name. Shama something. Yeah, he had that hectic knockout. Yeah, uh, Rachmanov, I believe his name. Shavkat Rachmanov. Yeah, there are some hectic guys emerging at welterweight. So this shapes as a very big contest rankings-wise and also just the future of the landscape of the division with a lot of fresh, fresh matchups starting to emerge but then a lot of these guys as well seem to duck and they take different fights. I don't know, duck's not the right word, I don't want to criticise, but they take the fights that like suit them. So these other guys, emerging guys, are still going to have to get these wins. But it's definitely, it's it's possible. They're probably going to have to fight guys like Neil, Neil Magny and Stephen Thompson before they get a Jorge Masvidal, just because of the big kind of money nature of the fight. But who knows, there's some really exciting times ahead at 170 pounds. Now, taking a look at the methods, Colby Covington from 1919 19 fights, 16 wins, 3 losses. Covington has 50% of his wins by decision. So a lot of his wins by decision, and I think even the factor of, like, yeah, Dana initially potentially being cut for being a boring fighter, and then since then still not having a... I mean, I'm entertained by his fights. I wouldn't call his fights boring at all. I think his fights speak for himself. I would enjoy them even if he wasn't, you know, being ridiculous, you know. But he does it for the cops, so I'm like, yeah, sweet. I wouldn't be... Not, you know, that's a classic decision thing to do for the cops. I mean, a classic thing to do for the cops, have a fucking boring decision win. Yeah, the cops would be so proud, bro. But, yeah, eight decision wins again. one 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 Sorry to the cops out there. Cop lovers, we love you too. Not just the sports report. We're inclusive. Cops, welcome. Uh, I just don't love you guys like Colby does. No one does. No one fucking does. Uh, anyway, Colby's wins. He has four knockouts and four submissions along with his eight decisions. So eight stoppages and eight decisions. So he could very well get a stoppage here. I'm not too sure how it's going to go, but, yeah, we'll look at Jorge in a moment. He has not been stopped very much in 50 fights. As for Covington, he has one knockout loss to Kamari Usman, one decision loss to Kamari Usman, and he's also been submitted once. As for Jorge Masvidal, 50 fights, and looking at his losses, 15 losses in 50 fights, but 11 of those decisions. So he's only been stopped four times in 50 fights, 11 decision losses, which kind of points toward maybe this is five rounds, which not all, like a lot of them would have been three rounders. But this points to maybe even if it's 25 minutes, this one may go to decision. Jorge has been knocked out twice, one of those times by Kamaru Usman, and he's been submitted twice. But 11 of 15 losses by decision for Jorge. As for his wins, really surprisingly, uh, the majority of Jorge's wins by decision. 17 decision wins from 35, closely followed by 16 knockout wins. So he'll want to level up his knockouts with his decisions this weekend with a knockout over Colby. But right now, majority of Jorge's wins by decision that even more so feeds that this one could be going to decision. 16 knockout wins for Masvidal, and he's also had two submission victories. So a very intriguing stylistic matchup this weekend, a very personal matchup, a win for both men, or well, like a win for Covington keeps him right in the picture for the next title shot or one of the next title shots over the next couple of years. A win for Masvidal immediately reinserts himself back into that title picture. He's one of the biggest names in the promotion that sets him up for a huge fight next. And yeah, he'll be up against one of the top contenders for a shot at the belt. Potentially, again, he's right in the mix again with a win here. But on the flip side of that, a loss for both men. A loss here really hurts Jorge's Stocks. He's making a lot of money now too, which is kind of, I'm not too, I mean, it's awesome for him. I'm just like, does he still have that hunger now? That Like, he, he's made it now. It doesn't really matter. Like, he, you know, he's he's got all the money. He's financially free and he's set up. But, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting to me what a loss does here for Masvidal. Because then all of a sudden he's still like a fight. It don't doesn't hurt him heaps but it puts him quite a way away from a title shot again uh, and he's he's been around for a while he's already fought 50 times professionally so he doesn't have all the time in the world to make another run toward the belt and a loss for Covington does the same it puts him maybe yeah it really just puts extra time on the clock in terms of when you can get your next title shot and Yeah, it's hard. You you don't know if you give up your spot. There are a lot of emerging fighters who haven't taken as much accumulative damage, and it's it's going to be very interesting what happens at welterweight over the next three to five years. I think I think we're going to see a lot of emerging stars start to come out. And comes at Chimaev has probably been the top of the heap. Well, that leads us to our picks, and before. We do our picks, and I wrap this up. Uh, very little to go on this podcast. I'm just going to quickly say, if you enjoyed it, once again, follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report. Got plenty of exciting things coming up there, but let's talk about what is coming up here, and that is JJ's rapid pick for this main event, UFC 272. Kamaru, the Nigerian, no. <laughs> getting too late.
0: Uh, 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 um. Yeah, we can leave most of it, but yeah, we can edit that. Um, Yeah, so straight into my rapid pick. Look, the heart wants to go Masvidal. Um, You know, very unlikable is Colby, but something in me just says, and this is very specific, Covington by knockout in the fourth round. I don't know why, just... Seems that way, so I'm just going to go with it. Not much to go on except feel. Both could get it, but, yeah, something about maybe it's the hunger thing you mentioned that does definitely play on my mind. But Colby, fourth-round knockout, just going to go for it.
1: All right, so JJ's rapid pick, a fourth-round knockout win for Colby. I can definitely see that happening. I was strongly considering Colby by knockout and probably around that stage of the fight. So that could be a very interesting bet if you go that way. So I'm going to quickly make my prediction for this UFC 272 main event. Colby Covington up against Jorge Masvidal. This is going to be a fantastic fight. It's going to be a fantastic card. And do not forget, myself and JJ tomorrow will be sitting down. Thoughts and comments. We'll be going through the picks and all our bets and the action from tomorrow. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I've really been enjoying them lately. Last weekend was a lot of fun and there's a lot of money riding on tomorrow. So we're going to be very much invested. I've got a million dollars. No. (laughs) Uh, we got, yeah, but we got, we got some money on and there is potential for some money to be made. So you'll get to hear the journey, the highs and lows, and it's not so much about us. The majority of it is going to be about the action unfolding and what we're seeing in front of us, but there will be the highs and lows. Maybe you'll hear about us having a great day and winning some money, or maybe you'll hear two frustrated punters who slowly wither into the abyss, deeper into the card and make some like regrettable financial decisions toward the main event. Who knows what could happen, but you're going to have to listen to thoughts and comments to find out. And yeah, there's one thing left until I wrap this up, and that is to make my official prediction for the main event of UFC 272. And yeah, I'm going to make it pretty quick. I'm just going to say the prediction, and then I'm going to wrap it up. So get your air holes ready, soak it in, because I'm just going to say it, and then, yeah, you're going to have to just take this information in. In the main event, I am taking Colby Covington by decision. I think he can get the finish, but I I just think, yeah, everything I see in terms of weighing it up, I'm going to lean toward the decision, so that's the way I'm going in the main event. Colby Covington over Masvidal by unanimous decision. Until next time, tomorrow, thoughts and comments. Take care.